You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Kosov here. Excited to be joined by a current fellow in the New York City NLC class. Yusuf Kalad is here. Excited to chat with him about technology, life on the East Coast, and in New York. So let's get to it. Yusuf, you're about halfway done with your NLC fellowship. Anything surprise you about the experience so far? Uh, honestly, not too much. I would say uh, the experience has lived up to the hype thus far. Uh, I've mostly been surprised that I got in, frankly, given uh, <laughs> how strong the, the other folks are. But it's been really, really great. The speakers have been amazing. You know, Having folks from other chapters visit, like yourself, has been really cool. Uh, and I'm honestly really excited to, uh, to keep going over the next three months. Yeah, when I was there, you guys were talking about your fundraiser. Any further progress? What kind of things have you landed on what you want to do for the event later this spring? Sure. Well, without uh, scooping uh, <laughs> the, uh, the chapter too much, because it'll be breaking news, yes. I, I think the general you know direction is uh, progressive politics uh, is changing. I think the face of progressive politics is changing. Um, and I think uh, the chapter wants to kind of indicate that and, and demonstrate that via a speaker who both embodies that in, in their identity, but also in kind of the, the policies that they've lived and that they've proposed. Um, we're not yet sure who the speaker will be, but I think that's kind of the general trend that we want to head. So more to come soon. Yeah, makes sense. We're looking forward to it. Uh, listen, we want to talk with you a little bit about technology. I know you're doing that in your day job and you're thinking about that just in, in general. Give uh, folks a little bit of insight into what you do for your actual work. Sure, sure. So uh, I work uh, as program director within the mayor's office of uh, the CTO. Uh, our focus uh, in the program that I run uh, is all about emerging technologies. So uh, the program, uh, NYCX, was founded around two years ago. Uh, under the premise that um, governments, whether they're local, state, or federal, are slow to react to technological change, uh, and so they could better plan for it. And then on the flip side, uh, they can also use it for you know solving some of the more vexing problems that they face. So what that practically means is um, on the kind of policy and advisory side, uh, I work with different city agencies uh, across the uh, across the city uh, on issues of emerging technology where maybe something is popping up that needs to be regulated, that needs uh, new rulemaking in place to ensure that it's rolled out effectively. Um, so I've put together policy briefings on autonomous vehicles, uh, uh, you know, at points when companies said they'd be coming to New York City. So the, the stage of development and advancement of the technology, which companies are working on it, you know, what a pilot could look like, et cetera. Um, just again, to, to ensure that policymakers are understand the implications of these things that are out on the market. And then on the flip side, on the kind of more proactive side, uh, I actually design what are called, you know, city scale challenges uh, with a focus on seeing if these new technologies can be of better service to the city. So the latest one that we ran last summer was all about figuring out how to deploy a, a mass scale of uh, electric vehicle chargers. Uh, I know you uh, you folks out on the West Coast have done a good job of that uh, and, and are a bit ahead of us. Um, and what we found was you know, a promising idea out of Europe um, where you essentially take existing street furniture uh, in the form of light poles and you retrofit them for charging purposes actually is a, is a quite cost-effective 
uh, easy, efficient, uh, and actually non-invasive way of of beginning to develop a network of EV chargers that, again, uh, is is accessible, usable, cost-effective, uh, and frankly, you know, over time could be one of the core ways in which you know EV charging infrastructure could. Uh, supplant, you know, the typical gas station because, uh, you know, the gas station, you kind of need to go somewhere to, to, to fill up your car, you know, is there a way to, to bring charging to you right at your parking spot? And so that was really exciting. We're going to roll out a pretty big pilot uh, on that front over the next year. Um, and so that's generally the, the, the focus areas uh, that, that I've got going on in the mayor's office. And then what do you see in terms of lag time between, say, an emerging technology and the city catching up with policies? Is it 12 months? Is it 18 months? Is it shorter? What's the typical experience with that? Yeah, it's it, it, it's an interesting question. I would say it's case-by-case case, uh, basis. I think the other piece to consider is that, you know, in some cases there's, you know, legislation pending at the state or federal level that I think, uh, you know, forces a city, a municipality to react uh, you see that right now with uh, the debate that's going on across many cities around e-bikes and uh, and e-scooters, um, which for you know listeners uh, are essentially you know throttle propelled um, scooters or bikes that are typically uh, you know have a big battery attached to them. You know you press a button and it kind of goes, and in some cases it can be 25 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. Um, there's a big debate around that. Uh, some municipalities on the west coast. Uh, and in other places, given their climate and given potentially their uh, transportation sprawl and challenges, have adopted these things more quickly. You know, the East Coast is a bit different. It's more complex. It's more dense. Uh, there is, of course, legislation pending at the state level to to put these technologies out into the world. And so, you know, in some cases, you know, if things like that come to pass, then the city needs to react. So it, it's highly dependent on uh, on the case and on, I think, you know, what's happening with the state and with the federal government. I would say, though, that um, if an emerging technology has demonstrable positive impact on quality of life and on people's lives, and if I think, you know, depending on the companies that, you know, put them out into the world, there is a good faith effort to uh, work with um, the city on doing it responsibly, on working with communities, if it's you know, out, you know, on their street or on their block to ensure that they understand what it's about and how to use it. I think generally any municipality in a place like New York is more than willing to embrace it. I think where things are challenging is when, you know, it's the go at it alone approach where a tech company says, you know, we've solved uh, the biggest problem in the world. And, you know, whether you like it or not, we're going to we're going to ram it down your throat. That, that ends up not being productive for, for anyone. And how would you describe the technological savviness of elected officials? You know, I, I watch people like AOC or even Mayor Pete, who's running for president now. There's such a difference, obviously, with their age and, and the way they've been raised in, in a technologically uh, sped up environment, say, to someone like Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, obviously. But you're kind of average city council person or state ledge person. How would you describe their their ability to kind of grasp and understand technology or at least have a good sense of where emerging technologies might show up? Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent question. I think there's a generational divide. So you mentioned AOC, Mayor Pete, um, others uh, in the, in the you know, freshman classes of Congress who are, let's say, sub, sub 40. 
Um, there is uh, generally, I think, a greater understanding of at least consumer tech. Um, but on on the flip side, you know, the the city council and and uh, folks within the city um, have demonstrated over time a, a greater interest and a greater understanding of of tech when it's kind of uh, come on their radar. So I think generally speaking, elected officials have to juggle, you know, 30, 40, you know, 100 different uh, policy planks or, or policy uh, lanes at any one time. Uh, and it's the things that get on their radar and, and uh, I think demand their attention uh, that, that are the things that they end up uh, potentially developing greater expertise in. So as an example, you know, the city of New York, I believe was the first city, uh, I think uh, two years ago, end of 2017, to adopt what was essentially an, an algorithmic transparency law. Uh, and the idea was uh, these algorithms uh, govern and, and shape, again, a lot of decision making, both at the, at the local level, uh, they, they govern decision making with consumer products and the like. You know, can we as a city commit to studying their impacts, in particular on the way the city does business? Uh, and then move forward uh, with a set of recommendations on how to make them more fair, more equitable, and more transparent for people. So, you know, that was a bill that that uh, passed the city council was championed by you know a lot of folks in the council who, let's say, you know, w- were not in the same generation as an AOC or a Mayor Pete, but again, recognized the importance of of the issue. You know, got quite smart on it and and passed something that uh, that again was a first in the nation. Uh, bill and and currently the city is actually working through um, the, the the next steps on that through its uh, algorithmic uh, algorithmic committee or or algorithmic decision making uh, panel that uh, that's happening uh, locally. Nice. Listen, when we come back. We'll talk a little bit more about national politics, Mayor Pete, and other folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, I think one of the exciting things of having so many candidates is you have a lot of interesting ideas floating around now as we push towards 2020. Elizabeth Warren had some interesting ones when it came to tech, especially when it comes to large tech companies like Facebook and other ones. What were your thoughts on some of the things that she shared a couple weeks ago? Do you repeat that one more time? Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. So we think of the 2020 candidates, there's so many of them, so they have a lot of interesting ideas uh, floating out there, including some on some on technology. Elizabeth Warren had some uh, headline-making news when she was talking about breaking up Facebook and other tech companies. Yes, yes. Any, yeah, any thoughts on what you heard from her so far? Any other candidates out there? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, generally speaking, progressive candidates are – uh, recognizing that uh, technology is is essentially permeating, you know, every facet of life at this point, uh, and that it's not a nice to have to have a, a tech policy uh, set of proposals or or planks, but rather this is something that's a requirement. So, uh, you know, Senator Warren, I think, had some really interesting ideas on, you know, how you can essentially address the. The, the the power imbalance that exists right now in the market, both among companies like Amazon, who both own marketplaces where other people can go and sell products on, but they also can compete with those same sellers uh, in a manner that may be uh, unfair or or uh, you know un- anti-competitive, right? So her proposal to kind of limit the the ways in which companies can do that of a certain size, I think, is is uh, productive and useful. Um, but you saw with uh, with Senator uh, Kamala Harris uh, in a proposal that she put forth, essentially a, a, a 
you know, relatively large federal grant program that would allow, uh, at least at the state level, different states to build up digital offices or, or uh, uh, digital, I think, uh, experts within the state to tackle some of the pressing both operational problems that states might have, but also some of the policy challenges that uh, they might have. So I think, I think generally speaking, there's a lot more there, but I'm frankly extremely excited that this is on folks' radars. Um, you know, as a millennial, as someone who's grown up in the age of social media, smartphones, uh, and the like, uh, there's a lot of room to uh, to explore uh, the impact of these technologies on people's lives. Um, and over time, this isn't going to be kind of a niche issue that, you know, you'll have a tech, quote unquote, tech candidate, but it'll need to be, you know, some of the, the, the kind of uh, meat and potatoes policy that everybody needs to bring to the table when they run. So a lot of those things are really exciting. Um, I've heard about even a digital dividend program that some have put forth to essentially give consumers a greater understanding of the type of data that they potentially uh, share with private companies and the value of that data and, and what are better approaches to doing that. So there's a ton of movement and excitement, and and I'm hopeful that uh, at least some of these proposals will will gain steam and gain greater prominence in the, the national discourse. Hey, last thing, how did you end up in this kind of work? Interesting question. Uh, you know, I, I initially, I think, uh, in college studied public policy, so was always uh, interested in public work. Um, but you know, I didn't quite uh, pursue it right out of school, partially because, uh, you know, as a first generation, uh, you know, lower income student, it was largely about figuring out how to build any semblance of, you know, financial stability. Um, so I was initially a, a consultant for a bit, helping large companies test actually new ideas uh, and new potentially products, in many cases, technology products or services that maybe were outside of their core expertise. Uh, and I actually spent some time at Google and uh, at Uber doing you know various uh, strategy and, and, and product work. Um, and I sort of got to a point where uh, the 2016 election was an interesting moment in time where you know I felt like I needed to do something a bit different and something that met the, the need of the moment. Um, and so, you know, I ended up uh, in 2017, you know, taking the big leap into local government and it's been, you know, a really wonderful experience and, uh, and NLC again has been uh, a good step in, in that direction of, of hoping to make greater change, uh, and, and do it right here in my community. That's awesome. Listen, we're glad you're in the class. Thanks for all your work so far in the Institute and beyond and look forward to hearing how things wrap up for y'all as you'll get to the end of June and then your fundraiser. But yeah, thanks for being on this episode and thanks everyone for listening. You can catch all past episodes of The Zag at your usual places where you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. It's about 120 episodes featuring awesome progressives like Yusuf. So check them out. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.